From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And welcome to episode four, season two of Off the Record. Uh, as always, thanks to Shaggy, uh, without whom, etc., etc., and thank you for watching listening whatever it is you're doing now on his travels today reflecting the global reach of cbw productions um i'm joined by stinky pete don't make me cough again by laughing um, i'm joined by stinky pete <coughs> who is currently broadcasting live from riyadh in saudi arabia um, so he's got up nice and early on Thursday morning just to be with us. So big up to Pete. Hey, buddy, what's happening? Good to see you. Well, well it's um, it's uh, a lot warmer in Riyadh than it is in uh, the UK. I'm guessing it's a lot warmer than it is in Cleveland. So uh, I, I might... guess, yeah, Cleveland's a bit lower than it is here. Yeah, I, I reckon so. So uh, it's... Um, it's uh, one o'clock in the morning here, and it's uh, a pleasant 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And okay. uh, when I was uh, travelling back from work today, it was a pleasant 78 in the sun. So a uh, very nice, pleasant, pleasant day. You're still you're still old school with a Fahrenheit then? None of this Celsius? Well, no, 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 it's just that my computer is in Fahrenheit. All so oh, right, fair enough. I'm just reading I'm just off the thing on the computer. phone here in, in the city of Chelmsford. In the, UK. <laughs> in the city of Chelsea. currently forty-two degrees. Uh, is that in, that's, um, that's in that's in Fahrenheit? Is it? Yes, uh, it is. It's certainly okay. not in Celsius. Otherwise, all right. Well, in cent in centigrade in Celsius in Riyadh, it is currently fifteen degrees, okay. but tomorrow it will be twenty-seven in the daytime. Okay, yeah, four degrees. Okay. I think Celsius here. I think forty-two degrees. In Fahrenheit for Chelmsford, that's going to be higher than it is in Ohio. <laughs> and extremely, I would unlikely. guess. Like, I don't think it ever has been, but... Uh. Yeah. Um, anyway, did you um, see any of the Grand Prix when you were over there then? I know you're a I did. Grand Prix I watched fan. it live in the uh, in the downstairs lounge area with a whole bunch of other people, and we had a couple of non-alcoholic beers uh, and um, something to eat, and I watched the whole thing. It was highly entertaining. And the Saudis are all very proud of their Grand Prix, as they should be, because it was... Uh, it was a, a very entertaining evening. Well, in fact, a very entertaining weekend. So, and it's a good circuit. It was a bit, uh, from what I, I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Formula One fan, to be perfectly honest. Um, so what all the events of that race probably made it marginally interesting, I would guess. It was a bit like Wacky Races, wasn't it? Apparently. <laughs> the beginning was like Wacky Races. The interesting thing about it is that it is a really, really, really fast circuit with a lot of S-bends, and because no one had driven it before, they, you know, they were making it up as they go along. And it was absolutely, it's quite a narrow circuit, so there was no margin for error. And basically the worst, the worst drivers back down the field were basically careening into things and bouncing off walls. And yeah, it was all, it was all highly entertaining. All sounds highly entertaining, yeah. It was, I, yeah. It, it seemed that Dick Dastardly was definitely cast <laughs> Dick by, uh, well... <laughs> Uh, Max, I just Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> in the role of Dick Dastardly. So, uh, and yeah. I don't know. That's that kind of betting eventful. going. You what? That was quite eventful then, anyway, in Saudi. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. They've, uh, they're, they're very proud of their uh, sporting stuff at the moment. So. I, I don't suppose you've seen any of the change in the subject completely. And just to get a Beatle link, because we're not going to get it in with, with the year we're doing today. Oh, um, I don't know. I'm any sure you get back? Any of the Get Back series? Have you seen any of that? No, yet? no, you I haven't. Have to. I, I'm, I've been told that I have to. In fact, everybody on Twitter has told me that I have it's to. A cr- it's cracking. It really is. It's when I get home, series. is it on It's Friday? on Disney Plus. Oh, it's on Disney Plus. Oh, even yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Yes. So when I get home um, over the Christmas vacation, yes. I shall, I shall it's, your, it's, it's only about eight hours worth. So uh, yeah, it's not too, no, it's no, not but literally everybody has said how brilliant it is. Oh, and it is. He gives the lie to the thing that you know they were all the, bickering the whole time, each other and bickering, and they weren't. And no, you know, they were like they wasn't were, as big a pain. You could clearly see. I mean, there's the odd argument and tiff. I mean, George Harrison walked out at one point, um, but you know, you, you generally see what you know the love and respect they have for one another, which is which is good to see. Um, in in the it's quite funny. It was probably in the, in the actual Let It Be film as well, which was such a long time ago. I've seen it. it still amuses me at the end of the uh, rooftop sequence at the end, where where the police turn up, plod plod turn up, and I forget his name now. I wrote it down here, Ray Dag, and um, you know it's just like I'm going to have to start arresting people. You know, it was still, he had his helmet on, the custodian helmet on, whatever they call these things. <laughs> Um, helmet probably being the appropriate term. <laughs> yes, and and the way it finished as well when they got them, he thought that he'd actually managed to get them to stop performing on the roof, but you know they were pretty much stopping then anyway. And then on the way out, the crowds gathered at a certain. They walk out in typical archetypal UK English policeman style. They walked out down the steps and said to everyone, "Move along now, please." <laughs> I thought. <laughs> I thought it's so so the cliche of cliches. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) But we are this week. Let's get on topic now. Um, We are discussing a year, um, and it is 1985. As we spin the wheel, it's 1985. Yeah, Um, and albums released in that year. So our favourite albums. We we could try and put ten together. uh, Each of us. Uh, our favourites for the year. Um, as anybody that knows me, you know me as well, I'm sure you're aware. Eight is probably my least fa- musically, probably my least favourite decade of the 20th century. I would say. <coughs> Excuse me. Guitars have gone really. Uh, they're replaced by, um, and I don't know the 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 rawness, the edginess. The, the the passion the um, personality of the music before it was swapped for production and computers synthesizers or whatever um, so I, it's not it's not a great decade for me and this is slap bang in the middle of it so I don't know what you made of it you probably feel the same way as I do to be perfectly honest I do feel the same way as you do and as we were saying off air I think um, plumping for nineteen eighty five that was sandwiched between two of the 80s better years because there were some pretty good releases in 84, um, some very good releases in 84, uh, and some pretty good ones in 86. But I kind of surveyed 1985 and thought, hmm. <laughs> this, this I thought is, a challenger. Be fun. <laughs> a challenger in you. 
Yeah. Um, there's a, the interesting thing for me was that there was there is actually um, there's a couple of uh, a couple of the, uh, the the releases which kind of have touch points with things I remember from you know various events from my personal history with the uh, with the kids and with uh, you know kind of growing up and all the rest of it. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah mostly uh, mostly I can't say that it was um, it was a decade that I loved. <laughs> greatly um and 1985 wasn't the year that i loved greatly either so we could have some fun with this yeah it was the year of live aid of course yes it was indeed the, the year, year of live aid i take it you didn't go to live aid uh no i didn't no we didn't either when live aid was on i was driving down the m1 in a biblical rainstorm of epic proportions oh, such yes had to pull the car up on the hard shoulder and sit there until it had stopped because you physically couldn't see through the windows. Um, oh, no. It was, it was, I remember it vividly for that. And then coming home and watching it on the TV. All right. Did you listen to it on the radio? I was thinking, didn't you? Um, um, I have no idea. I can't I've just, just very briefly, some of the things in 1985, some little news facts. The first mobile phone calls were made in the UK in 1985. That was presumably by yuppies with large batteries sitting on expensive... Uh, Massive brick-sized... Brick uh, huge grey phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> EastEnders started. And for that... That is a BBC soap opera, for those that don't know. Never, never be... I mean, yeah. Anyway. 36 years that's been on. Amazing. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Um well, the, well, we're halfway through Thatcher, uh, her premiership, weren't we, in the mid-80s? Let's yeah, tell about that. Interesting that we're coming towards the end of uh, <laughs> Boris's premiership. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I did not, I did not have Christmas relations oh, with, with that party. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, couple well, of what, what I will do is shaft Allegra Stratton. The minor strike, of course, um, yep. uh, and a couple of nasty football incidents. We had the Bradford City Heisel. Fire and the Heisel as later on in the year, of course, yeah. And yep. that got all the English Cup banned from Europe for three years. Oh, I don't know how many years. It's quite a number of times. No, five years. And topically, maybe England actually won the Ashes um, that year. <laughs> yeah, so, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to this time. time. We can, I turned you can on put the your money on that one right now. I turned on the TV last night and... Uh, <laughs> First, literally, I, I, yeah. whatever we're watching, first ball, probably get back finished. I turned it off, and on it came. And there was the cricket, <laughs> and we ah. we were out. First ball, yeah, wicket. Oh. absolutely pathetic. It is pathetic indeed. Right, it, if we if we got some decent openers, we might have a halfway decent cricket too. But uh. so, what we're going to do with eighty five? Then, do you do you want to start, or do you want me to ah. start? I, I don't mind, whichever you like. As I say, I'm fairly sure two or three of them we're going to have the same. I've got a couple of backups, which I don't know much about, but, you know, so. All right, for a change, maybe I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I have, okay. sorry, I've gone through in order, one through four, and then the rest doesn't matter. Okay, well, my, mine are fairly random. Um, I could probably pick the ones that I like the best because they're the ones I actually went out and bought on vinyl. Well, well, uh, which I've, there's only two on this list. Well, I haven't got that many that I went out and bought actually. Three or, <laughs> three or four maybe. Actually, this first one I'll mention then is one of those I did actually go out and buy. Um, 
a, num a number of the acts that, that were good. I said about the 80s, I thought it went out over overproduced stuff, wasn't it? I thought generally. Um, yeah. and, and sort of synthesizers, computers and what have you. There's a lot of that with the um, uh, pop music uh, of that decade. Um, but some, some of the artists were still producing pretty good music, but there were ones that were around in either the 60s or the 70s. And they, yeah. I mean, and people like, I don't know, uh, Springsteen or um, uh, Michael Jackson, even U2, they started in the 70, late 70s, didn't they? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy had his um, first uh, success in a band in the 60s. And um, it was his second solo album, the first one after a bit of a hiatus. The first one was in the mid-70s and was uh and it's by the lead singer and guitarist and songwriter for credence clearwater revival oh john fogarty john well you say fogarty but that well, i'm gonna say it's actually john fogarty i've always called yes. him john fogarty because we're That's english nice. and all that aren't we yeah in, we in are it, in we it. is in it in yeah it. Um, so it is Fogarty, yes. It is Fogarty. I mean, I, I've always called him Fogarty, but now we went, actually, with Graham. Graham and I went, saw John Fogarty at the O2 in London uh, in 2018, and he introduced his son on stage as Fogarty. So from the horse's mouth, it's got to be, hasn't it? Um, totally. First album in nine years after his debut. He did make another one called Hoodoo, which he was rejected by actually himself and the label. They didn't think it was up to much. So he had a bit of a hiatus, probably... Are dealing with a lot of lawsuits. He seemed to have a lot with band members using the probably the Credence name and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the album was called Centerfield. Yeah. Um, it's a shame they can't spell Centerfield, obviously. Yes. Um, but that's... The R and the E is the wrong way around. Yes, I, they, are, they are indeed. A regular occurrence. <laughs> um, but they I had a couple of singles on it, Old Man Down the Road um, and... Ooh, two top 20 singles actually is that one and then rock and roll girls was another one uh in the us uk not so much the album was a number one album so it was a reasonably sized a reasonably big hit over there uk only got to 48 uh, australia actually was number four so it's not too bad um rock and roll girls it's one of my favorites actually from the album um I read that, as, as the ultimate classic rock critic described, he said it spoke to the to the mystery of pop music, how it be, how it uh, can become a secret handshake between friends, the soundtrack to a memory that means everything. Uh, good song, a bit a bit of yodeling in it as well, which you know you've got to love, haven't you? Really. Well, I mean, I'm a big Focus fan, so, you know, the more yodeling... You can't, you can't go wrong with the yodel, You can't, you can't you? go wrong with yodeling. You can't. Um, and rather oddly, um, and I don't think anybody else could, could claim this, um, as I said, he had a lot of legal disputes. Now, I don't know anybody else that's been sued for plagiarism uh, of his own song. <laughs> OK. <Right>. On, <laughs> the old man down the road... <laughs> Right. The album, the first single, um, uh, apparently contained a refrain or a chorus, um, which is the same as Credence's "Run Through the Jungle." So, in a moment, you know, he he though he did write "Run Through the Jungle," of course, 
Fancy Records owned the copyright to it, so they actually right. sued him. Um, obviously, Fogarty or Fogarty, sorry, uh, won it in the end. He uh, he actually played his guitar on the witness stand, played Good excerpts life. of both songs, uh, demonstrating that many songwriters, including himself, of course, uh, have distinctive styles that can make different compositions sound similar to less discerning ears. He Which showed that the two songs... Slap in the face for the people who were judging it, presumably. Yeah, whole separate and distinct compositions. Um, another song on the album was called Zantz Can't... Well, actually, if I pronounce it the way it should be over there, Zantz Can't Dance. Uh, had to be altered to Vance Can't Dance because uh, to avoid a a defamation lawsuit with Sol Zant, who was the owner of Fancy Records, who was suing him for the other thing as well. So, uh, yeah. Centrefield... people got anything better to do with their time? Other than sue people? No. Suing each other. I think we know that. So, Centrefield John Fogarty is my first one. Okay. So, my first one is one of the very, very first albums that was recorded on 24-track digital as opposed Ooh. to analogue. Um, and it was one of the very first albums brought out on CD. On the I know what it is. Please, sir. Please, sir. Yes. Is it Brothers in Arms? It is. Oh. Indeed. Well, that's which on my you, list. So we, we're, Which we're you knew I was going to choose. Yes. So... Um, a bit of a story around this. Obviously, as you will know, having gone to the school, yeah. um, I one of my minor claims to fame is that Mark Knopfler was my English teacher uh, for a few brief weeks in uh, 1974 at Loughton College. I have no idea why we went to Loughton College other than it was all those of us that had passed our English O-level um, a year early. Uh, and so we, I, I did. We, I can't even remember what it what it was for. But anyway, mm. we all played off there in a minibus. Um, and he was, um, yeah, he was our teacher, and he was very good um, and a decent bloke. And um, he, uh, the Knopfler brothers, played at the Easter concert slash party uh, mm-hmm. at the college in in nineteen seventy four. Anyway, winding forward to nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty five. Yes released that was and here is this beautiful juxtaposition of um of of where we're at um uh, was my first trip ever to the middle east and i worked in bahrain and i worked in dubai and my brother and sister-in-law lived in dubai at the time and uh we i stayed at their place and the second night we were there we went out to this uh, nightclub and um one of the songs that was playing was Money for Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I said to Pat, my sister-in-law, um, who's this? And she said, this is the new single from Dire Straits. And I went, ah, okay. So the following day, I went off to the uh, souk in Sharjah. They had great big piles of cassettes, and I bought Brothers in Arms on cassette. And mm-hmm. when I finally eventually bought it on CD, I transferred the cassette to my car and uh, as you did in those days yes uh, so um so uh yeah and it, so it kind of i i got a couple of other dire straits albums and i'd always liked dire straits um but for me 
this is their best one. I know other people would disagree, um, but I think it's their best one. Um, it's got five singles on it. Um, so Far Away, Money For Nothing, the title track, Walk of Life, um, and your latest trick. Walk of Life is my least favourite. I knew you'd say that. On the album. Yeah. Um, it's largely because it's the one that sounds most like Elvis. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but also then there's a couple of really good songs on there which are not, which were not singles. I, I love Ride Across the River. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love The Man's Too Strong. Um, but, but I think for me, the standout track is the title track. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of those songs where, again, the start, it's one of those, it's instantly recognisable as soon as you hear that first note. Um, yeah. And um, this sounds weird, but I, I have, there's particular music that I really like to listen to driving and particularly late at night. And Brothers in Arms is one of those albums and mm-hmm. the tra- one of those tracks. It's just got a, you know, eight minutes or seven and a half minutes or whatever it is the off, album. Yeah. Um, on the album and, and just drive in the dark with the lights. And it just, it's one of those very atmospheric songs. Um, I like yeah. those little, little guitar licks, you know, just yeah, come, comes in, you know. Oh. Yeah, I try, I try to play those. They're probably quite straightforward. Um, well, I'm sure they were if I could play them. Um, but it, it's strange he doesn't use a plectrum, does he? He doesn't use a no, pick. He no, he doesn't. He just uses no, his no, fingers, which is unusual. Um, but for yeah. me, for me, if we're talking about what is personally not a great year in music, then that is one of the two or three standout albums of the year. I mean, it, it, it's that's it's my number one and for a reason. Well, it's certainly another one of the albums that I bought. Um, I bought it on vinyl, um, but I then bought it on CD. It must have been one of the, if not the first album that I bought on CD. As you said, it was, it was the first one aimed at the CD market, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And and that was why um, on the 24 track digital, because he was always ahead of the game in terms of wanting to make the music sound as pure and as clean as he could. And that was one Mm. of his and so he and he was always willing to play with the technology so mm. I think were quite ahead of their time really in terms of taking rock or you know rock slash blues type music and making it sound more 1980s because they didn't do this big overproduction thing and it wasn't all the hair metal thing it was just taking what worked in the late 70s but then putting it in a fresher context and I think that's why it works yeah, I, I love it. I mean, actually, I mean, you mentioned a couple of tracks there um, that weren't singles. Personally, other than Brothers in Arms, I'm not such a fan of side two of the album. Yes, folks, albums, LPs had two sides yeah. in those days. Yeah, I mean, it had Brothers like in Arms. Two. It had Ride Across the River. It had Man's Too Strong. Um, there's a very militarist sort of theme to those three, isn't there, basically? I can't remember I just, what the th- the fourth song is. To be no, honest, no, I can't. I, I just really like the track. I, lo- I really like the lyrics. Yeah, well, it, of Brothers in Arms or just well, no, all of them. I think the lyric them, lyrically, yeah. I think it's a really strong album. You know, yeah. um, like the nighttime has been struck between the southern bows and their bells. Um, yeah. Historic garbage trucks have got the city to themselves. I just think that's just a nice line. I just think that works really, really well. I just think it's yeah. really. Good. 
He's he's a very clever guy and a very good guitarist, actually. A brilliant guitarist, yeah. Yeah, all five of those singles that you mentioned were top 30 in the UK, which is quite impressive. The album, um, I think, probably of all my list of albums anyway, it's probably the only one that gets a, a number one across the board, the UK, US and Australia. Right. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Sold 30 million copies. And it's the eighth really? best-selling album in the UK, well, in UK history. Ten times platinum, which I presume a platinum is a million. Um, I think you've probably I thought, mentioned... I, I thought, is it a million or is it half a million? Well, I think... Well, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 award, no. Award stuff I, I'm not interested in at all, you know, it's... Kind of I, the, think, uh, I think it's a million. Maybe it's a single musical equivalent of the Ballon d'Or, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, <laughs> I think maybe maybe singles have been brought back down there, maybe to half a million, and maybe albums. Um, I don't oh, know. So, okay. Well, that's interesting because I've got one which is a, a has got several platinums. So uh, we'll come to that later. It wasn't. You'd be surprised to know, not critically well received when it came out. No, I was reading. It was. It was um, no, I mean, I quote Mark Knopfler's, uh, this is the NME, and we all know what the NME know about music. Yeah, this shit. Yeah, basically. Um, Mark Knopfler's mawkish self-pity is lugubriously mannered appropriation of rockin' Americana, his thumpingly crass attempts at wit. They weren't a fan, were they? No. Plus. But, plus they also the, weren't a newspaper. The tritest would-be melodies in history, the last word in tranquilizing chord changes, the most cloying, lonesome playing, and ultimate in transparently fake troubadour sentiment ever to ooze out of a million-dollar recording studio. And yet here we have it as one of our best albums, probably of the 80s. Very certainly one of the best albums of the 80s and in the top 10 selling albums of all time. All in the UK. time thereby proving that the journalists of NME know shit. I think I agree with you on that. Um, well, okay, Brothers in Arms. Actually, it isn't, you say it's your favourite album, probably because of the tracks on side two that I'm not as keen on. I'm actually more in favour of making movies, which I think was their third album. And that's the other one I've got. That's a good album. It's a great yeah, album. Um Brothers in Arms, I think, is the, the only album that contains um, write, songwriters other than Mark Knopfler, in that Sting wrote a little bit. Probably, well, Sting, I, I Want My MTV, probably. That's probably all he wrote. But Sting know. also appears on the actual Brothers in Arms track, doesn't he? On, no, does it? No, Mother, uh, Money for Nothing he appears on. Oh, is it Money for Nothing? Yeah, yeah I, it's I, Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing, yeah, yeah. 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 The other one that he doesn't have a, uh, has never, is, is a writing credit on is on making movies, which is, of course, the Carousel Walls, which is what Rogers and Hammerstein or whoever it is. Okay, so Brothers in Arms, um, and I'm going to put that down for mine as well. So that effectively means I've had two and you've had one. Do you want to carry on with another one? Uh, can do. So yeah, my, go, go for it. My second choice, So and the other album that I own, um, is referred to as the new wave of prog pop. Interesting. The new wave of prog pop. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I wonder if it's one of the albums I have on my list. I don't know. I would be amazed if you haven't. Does it begin with T? The band, it, I mean. Yes. Is it Tears for Fears? It is Tears for Fears. <laughs> I got two out of two guesses here. <laughs> you did. You're doing well. Right, and it's on my list as well. Songs and it's that's the one that we talked about before because I had that on another list from something else that we did. Must have been a single or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, so I mean, if you've got it on yours, we can we can have a rap about this, can't yeah, we? A little bit of rap. Um, so. Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal, two absolutely blindingly good singles, Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Absolutely. And not a duff track on the album. Um, it's uh, it's one of those. I I bought it and I, I, I got it for Christmas. Um, I think my wife bought it for me or, yeah, I'm fairly sure. Um, and I remember I was at my mother and father-in-law's and, you know, the extent to which he liked pop music was he tolerated ABBA occasionally. Um, so um, I, uh, I I also got a pair of headphones and I can remember sitting, putting this on, shoving my headphones on, sticking the jack in the hole um, and sitting in their comfy chair and letting it all wash over me the first time I heard it. On, and I've got it on vinyl um, and um and kind of blocking out all the Christmas stuff that was going on in the background while I was listening to Tears for Fears. Mm. Um, but uh, so I guess that must have been Christmas 85, I guess. Um, but uh, it's, it's what, guess. I guess that it categorizes as pop, does it? I think it does. I think yeah. it does. And I yeah. mean, everybody wants to rule the world is like um, mid 80s. Timeless pop classic, I would have said. Yeah, sort of ver verging on the synth pop. Yeah, whereas Shout is a bit more stadium rock. I, I knew you'd like Shout. I, I mentioned classic. Shout when I wrote it down. It's more of a sing along, sing along yeah. bit. Well, it's like one of those ones which you can imagine the lighters and the big crowd and everybody clapping their hands and shouting shout, can't you? It's uh, yeah, it's like a protest song almost. Yeah, a bit of a chance here, like give Peter a chance. Hey Jude, you were talking about. Yeah, well, it, exactly. Yes, there's it, another Beatle reference for you. So. Yeah, well done. Well, I, well, I managed to get through, and I've only <laughs> <through. laughs> so fifteen all. <laughs> Actually, I think I've got a Beatle one in earlier as well, so I think I might be winning <laughs> on that front. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, good. It, it is a good album. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, and then there's nothing else. There's none of their other stuff where I've, which I've got, and I don't even know if I know any of it. But did they, did they, did they have another hit single? Another hit single? Oh, yeah, hit they had a number, a number of hit singles. Well, the, the, um, the, the, the next album, which I can't remember the year, probably 87, um, was probably their, their big album. I would say, and it was their most successful album, and that was um, uh, the Seeds of Love. So, Sowing the Seeds of Love was a big hit. Right. Don't and that was it. the, yeah, that was the following year. But back to Songs from the Big Chair, there were indeed those two, there were four top 20 uh, singles in the UK at least. Really? Uh, yeah, there were, apart from, well, the first one was Mother's Talk which was uh, number 14, Shout, number four, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, number two, and then Head Over Heels was number 12. You don't know that one either? 
Well, I mean, I know it because I've got the album, but I can't think. Can't remember it. No, Mother's Talk, I remember. And I vaguely remember that might have been a single. Something's happening and I'm head over heels. You yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know it. Okay. Um, that's the extent of my acapella this evening. Um, shout that's and me. everybody wants to rule the world with both number ones in the US. Right. And Australia, actually. They were le- actually less successful in, our, in their native uh, country here. In the good old blighty. Um, head over heels. Was a hit, number three in the US, 12 here, as I said, 21 in Australia. Um, they also released a live version of the song I Believe, which is on the album, a studio version on yeah, the that's album. That's a good song. I like I Believe. Yeah, it was a live version. It was intended, and that got the number 23 in the UK as well, originally intended to be given to uh, Robert Wyatt to record, apparently, okay. uh, of Soft Machine fame. Uh, in fact, the nice. B side of that single was. A song called Sea Song, which was uh, a Robert Wyatt song. Um, what else can I say that you haven't already said? Um, I like the, the 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 origins of song titles always uh, album titles. Sorry, always interest me or amuses yeah, me at times. Okay. Um, Entertainment. Although the album was originally meant to be called The Working Hour, it changed. Um, now the title. He references a 1976 TV film called Sybil, uh, in which a woman suffered from multiple personality uh, disorder um, who only felt safe in her analyst's big chair. Well, there we go. And that's where the title comes from. You learn a new thing every day. It is. It's, It's a much popular album than the first one. The first one was a little bit darker. Um, well, I think that's where the prog pop comes from. It's, yes, it's, I think like, you're right. It, it's it's their sound, I think. Is well, where the, it, the Seas of Love was sort of really pumped up as being like their Sergeant Pepper, actually, which came right. out after this one. But yeah. this is certainly, well, if you pardon the pun, a seed, I suppose, of that um, yeah. that album. One final point: um, Rolling Stone. Um, said the album observed traces of U2's social conscience, the Bunnymen's echoing guitars, and XTC's contorted pop wit. No, yeah, I buy that. I don't. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't have seen the XTC link. But I certainly would see the the U2 link and the um, and the echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. Well, anyway, songs from the big chair. Tears of fears. So, so we've both, we've both got those we've two. Both so, got those two. So you're you've, on had, you've had your Fogarty, so you go with your next one. I'll and then go I'll... with the next one, okay. And this is one I guarantee will not be on your list. Bit okay. of a, bit of a... That's a big. That's a big statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I suppose, a bit of a, a a drinking album, really, in a way, a drinking album, which I don't drink anyway. But um, <clears throat> their second album. Come out in I August. think you'll find actually that this is on my list. It is on your list. Oh, well, As my number 10. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Okay. Well, the album <clears throat> is by The Pogues. Yes. And, and has the album great title titles is Rum, <laughs> Rum, Sodomy and The Lash. Indeed. Which sounds rather like one of Boris Johnson's holistic lockdown parties to me, actually. 
although it is actually a quote from Winston Churchill. It is. It is a quote from Winston Churchill. Well, you know the you know the origin of this uh, um, title of an album, so uh, I can't surprise you with that one. No, but, yeah, but you can tell our American audience because it's quite fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the title was attributed to Sir Winston Churchill, uh, who said, "Don't talk to me about naval tradition. It's nothing but rum, sodomy, and the lash." <laughs> Never, never <laughs> before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, let's not mention lockdown parties again. Uh, no, whatever you do, do not mention lockdown parties. No, because obviously they didn't have one, did they? No, um, so. no, it didn't happen. Um, but the drummer of the band thought it summed up the band, that title. So they obviously had I good parties I think that's not well. a bad... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's not a bad description. Um, I I, lo- I love it. I love the album. I, I you know the Pogues I do love generally. Um, Shane McGowan is obviously a bit of a an oddity. Um, it's, I still can't believe that he has left. He's left on this earth. And Kirsty McColl, who of course sang no with I- Shane McGowan and the Pogues, <laughs> Pogues on Fairy Tale. Every time York, you look at Shane McGowan, you go has, has gone. You've got less rights to be alive than uh, <laughs> Keith Richards has. <laughs> no. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. But yeah, they're um, never. I mean, it, they're never, never sentimental. Uh, really polite, uh, and certainly never ordinary. Um, London Irish, London Irish folk. They are London Irish. folk. Folk, yeah, I would say. Um, some great songs. They had some singles from it, uh, which you might not have got. Have you got a list of any of the singles there? No, the only the only other thing I've got, because I don't know the album very well, I've heard no. it. Yep. No, I don't know it and I don't know oh, yeah. it. Um, but the, the Pogues are one of those bands where if I hear one of their things, I go, oh, this is a bit of fun. But I probably wouldn't go out and buy it. But yeah. actually, what I love is the, um, the album cover. Yeah. Which I did my research on, and there's a story behind that. Oh, tell me. Um, well, the cover art is an altered version of a painting called The Raft of the Medusa. Ah, okay. It was a Romantic-era painting by Theodore Jericho. Oh, him. Yes. Yeah, I know him well. Clearly, clearly French. Yes, um, Obviously, with a name like that. Oh, possibly, mm. but, but um, I... I Rum, sodomy, and slash. And slash. <laughs> they I said, was, not I was stereotyping pissing, at all. I was pissing by your door. <laughs> from hello, uh, hello. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so there's a little story about it. And it's basically the raft of the Medusa with the band's heads superimposed onto the... Onto so it's kind of a clever take on a piece of romantic, uh, romantic um, uh, art. Yeah. Okay. As, as I said, they did have a few singles, uh, not massively hit singles. I mean, the album only uh, got to number 13 in the UK. Um, America are not really making it, I don't think. Certainly this didn't. Uh, I'm not sure whether they did in it with, any, with anything, actually. Well, it's, um, I mean, it, it's very, it is very quintessentially Irish and not Irish like Boston Irish or or New York Irish. It's 
Rugby Irish Jig. as Jig. Jig Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and also and rum, sodomy and the lash doesn't really translate very well in no. the context because that wouldn't be how they describe their Navy. So there isn't really any touch point, is there, between that music and that album. And no, uh, US. I hear it's, what you're it, saying. Definitely. definitely. Um, Rolling Stone, we mentioned it a bit uh, with other albums in the past, but on their 500 greatest albums of all time, it sneaked in at number 440. Wow. So maybe you should go out and buy it. I, uh, clearly. So should I do that before or after Moby Great? Oh, both. Do them both. Completely different albums, of course. There might be yeah, another one that you uh, you might want to go out and try and try out later on in my list as well. Um, Sally McLadan was a great single. Um, yes. Probably their biggest hit. But that well, was the one well, not their biggest hit, but from this album was the biggest yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the one I know from this album. Sally McNallan is, uh, and also Dirty Old Town, they did a version of... Uh, they did. Ewan McColl, who ironically is Kirsty McColl's dad, actually. Um, his old folks on Dirty Old Town, and a number yeah. of people have covered that. I think Rod Stewart did it on one of his earlier albums, actually. Didn't Lindisfarne um, do it? And some, Didn't someone like Lindisfarne do it? Yes, well, they can be a bit folky as well, can't they? Well, very. Geordie, yeah. Geordie folky. Um also, the old man drag appeared on the soundtrack to the film My Own Private Idaho. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of it, I mean, one of the tracks in particular, and the band played Waltzing Matilda. They didn't actually write it. It was an Eric Bogle song, apparently, from 1971, um, <coughs> describing uh, war as futile and gruesome, which I think we all know anyway, whilst criticising those who seek to glorify it. Um, it centres around, close the album actually, centres around a young Australian serviceman who's maimed uh, during the Gallipoli uh, campaign in World War I. Um, devastated by the loss of his legs, he notes the death of other veterans while the younger generation becomes apathetic to the vets and their cause. I mean, the lyric, I've had the odd lyric thrown into my lists here, and the lyric from this sort of exemplifies that. <coughs> Again, excuse me. I had to try and mute my coughs here. Um, so, th so they gathered the crippled, the wounded, the maimed, and they shipped us back home to Australia. You have to do this in sort of a Shane McGowan sort of voice. The yeah. legless, the armless, the blind, the insane. Those proud, wounded heroes of Solver. And as our ship pulled into Circular Quay, I looked at the place where my legs used to be. And thank Christ there was nobody waiting for me to grieve, to mourn and to pity. And the band played Waltzing Matilda as they carried us down the gangway. But nobody cheered. They just stood and stared. Then they turned all their faces away. Great album, great song, great end Poignant. to an album. Poignant indeed. Right, <clears throat> that's me for that one. Back to you. Okay, so my number three is the new wave of British prog. Another new wave of British prog. This is the new wave of British prog. These are the guys that took prog into the 1980s but didn't really start before the end of the 70s. Well, you might have to tell me this one. I'm not sure I'm going to have this. Uh, you, well, I, I, I thought you might, but no. I might, but I might. 
Um, okay, so it is uh, my old friend Fish. It's misplaced childhood by Maria. Oh, no, the reason I didn't know this is because I knew that you would have it, and right. I know that you. Lo- I know that you'd love this one. I didn't it, put it in my list, but right. yeah, misplaced childhood. Okay, it's a great. It's it's for me. It's Marillion's best. Um, sorry, it's their best of the Fish era because uh, Marillion have very much had two lives. There was Fish and then post Fish. Um, but um, the, um, I mean, obviously I like it for a number of reasons, not least of which is because it's proper music. Uh, but um, it had a couple of very big hit singles. Um, Kaylee, which is, which ends up as a single, you know, that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is kind of prog rock, but it's, but it's, it's got, it's, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's very airplay friendly and, mm. you know, People who wouldn't necessarily be into rock music would know it and like it. Something and about which was also yeah, go big. On. Yeah, lavender, lavender. Was it lavender blue? Or was it lavender? Well, it's called lavender, but it was lavender blue, dilly dilly, lavender green. All right, okay, fair enough. King yeah, dilly dilly, you yeah, yeah, So he's, it took the words from the from the nursery rhyme. Um, but then also there was another. There was a third single called. Uh, there was a third single, Heart of Lothian, which. Um, kind of harks back to Fish's Scottish roots. But, of course, the reason that one should buy the album is for the five-track, or the, yes, the five-track suite. Of course. Uh, side one. Very prog. Seven minutes and seven minutes and 53 seconds <coughs> called Bittersweet. Um, very, you know, with the uh, S-U-I-T-E. Mm-hmm. And side two, another five-track epic, which is nine minutes thirty, uh, which is called Blind Curve, and that basically that that makes up most of the two sides of the albums with the singles nailed onto it. Um, okay. But it's the art, the album artwork is good. I, I guess that Marillion fans, and I, I mean I've got this, and I've got Marillion's greatest hits, um, and I've got most of Fish's stuff. Um, I think Marillion fans would maybe argue that Script for a Jester's Tear was a better album, but I prefer Misplaced Childhood. That you know, it's my favourite. Um, it's it's just it's a good rock album, but it's a good rock album with um, with a, uh, um, a kind of like a central meaning to it. It's got a theme, and you know, I like albums which have got themes to them. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, so that would be that would be my my, my third. Sure, that's your next. And I think one, for okay. me, that was the last of the great. Albums, so that, that year, yeah, that Brothers in Arms and Tears for Fears. I've got another couple which I really like, mm. uh, but they're not great. Um, and then the rest are, you know, to make up the number. It sounds like, I mean, I don't know the album anywhere near as well as you do, Misplaced Childhood, but it sounds to me like Kaylee is like completely alien to what the rest of the album is. Then, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was. Yeah. Really. I thought I read somewhere that he, he was he singing he was actually singing about an old girlfriend of his called Kaylee yes. and she yes, wasn't very wasn't. happy about being named no. in the song no. at all. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't all happy. I thought but, I thought I read that and I was right. That is uh, that's the price you pay for going out with a creative singer songwriter, isn't it? Indeed. Sooner or sooner or later you're gonna be and you're actually, gonna have a song about you. One of the other albums that I've got on my list, um, there is a similar um Reference as well to an ex-girlfriend. So. Okay. Well, you've probably right. got. To I know it's well. It's not an ex-girlfriend. So it's not Adele. 
1985. Um, yeah, dangerous occupation, isn't it, going out with Adele? Oh, absolutely. Um, right, okay, I'm going to throw this curveball in now then, rather than, it's not now I've got all the time. A totally bizarre album, actually. Not one that I would normally like. Um, it was his actual sixth, sorry, not his sixth, it was his ninth studio album. Um, okay. Personally, I loved, I loved his debut album. He's Canadian, I think he's Canadian. I'd have to check that out, but I think he's Canadian. Um, I will check that out. And the album was called Rain Dogs in 1970. Sorry, no, it wasn't. It was called uh, Closing Time, the one I'm talking of. This album is called Rain Dogs, and it's Tom Waits. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, as I said, it's, it's quite bizarre sort of sound uh, to his albums, and his voice is unique. Um, this one was in the middle. Sorry, what do we? I, I know nothing about Tom Waits at all. all right. So, what I'm just what checking that he's Canadian. I think he is. What do we mean when we say unique? I mean, uniquely bad or just well, that's left field that you can't place it. Well, he doesn't sound like Mariah Carey, let's put it that way. Well, it's quite, it's, it's like, it's like, I suppose, as, as time went on. I suppose it's a, a cross between the voice of Bob Dylan uh, and and sort of Rod Stewart, but with a bit more of a throat lozenge. It's, it's quite really raucously. Um, gravelly. Like, yeah, gravelly. That's the word. Gravelly. Um, and it was, it, it did a, like a trilogy of albums, um, this one was in the middle. He had Sawfish Trombones, and then he did Frank's Wild Years. Rain Dogs was in the middle. It wasn't a massive hit anywhere. I mean, it got to 29 in the UK, uh, 49 in Australia, and even in the US, it scraped into the Billboard 200. So it wasn't a massive, um, sort of a loose, a loose concept album I read about the urban dispossessed of New York City. Many different styles of music are on there. It's one that is, is you just have, you just have to listen to, and I, I, I recommend you go and listen to this and, and giving us your opinion of it one day. Mm. Um, the different style, it's, it's quite an old, dirty blues sort of sound to him. Um, he recorded street sounds and other sort of ambient noises in New York on a cassette recorder to get. Of the sound of the city that obviously ultimately turned out to be the album's subject matter. Um, the instruments included on there uh, like marimba, uh, accordion, double bass, trombone, banjo. And the cover photo is not as many people think it is because it does bear a striking resemblance to Tom Waits. Isn't actually Tom Waits. Uh, there's a couple photographed on the cover. Um, and they were actually, it, the picture was taken actually at a cafe near the Reaper Barn in Hamburg. Uh, but it's not Tom Waits, anyway. Is the cover, it's kind of like a photo on the right-hand side, and then there's like a colour bar down the left? Or am I thinking of something else? You might be thinking about something else. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to place it. Uh, aware of Tom Waits' albums, but I just know it could, yeah, it could be the one. Could be the one. Um, 
Uh, let's have a look at let's have a look at the cover again. Um, and I will find out whether it's Canadian while I'm out there. Um, as far as I know, I can't see the cover, but it, as far as I know, it's a picture of him. Well, not him, but a, a couple sort of closing together, two faces really, with maybe right. rain dogs down one side and Tom Waits down the other, sort of maybe one in blue, one in yellow. Right, yeah, that, yeah, right. That's, big, Bill. that's basically what I've got in my mind. Okay, oh, cool. maybe it is that one then. Okay, um, it was unlike a lot of these albums, critically well received. Uh, many think it's his most important uh, album, both critically and musically, in his career. Um, Rolling Stone again called it bony and menacingly beautiful. Uh, this made in the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, number 357. Keith Richards played on it on three tracks, uh, Big Black Mariah, Union Square and Blind Love. Uh, and it's got 19 tracks on it in 53 minutes. So that's worthwhile listening to. Um, I listened to it all yesterday just to get a feel for it again, as I did with a number of these albums, actually. Also on it is Downtown Train, another one of his great songs. And that was covered by Rod Stewart, I think, maybe uh, three or four years later. Right. I think he did a couple of Tom Waits songs. Tom Travers Blues was one of his as well. And this one, Downtown Train. Was was that also covered by FM? Downtown. I don't know that one. I'm not maybe, sure about that. I'm, I'm sure they had a song called Downton Tremor. It's just different. Okay. Anyway, Rain Dogs, and that's Tom Waits, and that's my next one. So I'm we're over to you again. Right, so my number four, this is the last one, which is in order. Um, okay. Um, You've had four already, haven't you? You've had Brothers in Arms. You've had songs in the Yes, picture. yeah, that's right. And I put, yeah, sorry, it's my number four in my list, but I had Shane McGowan. I had oh, the, you had it at number 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember 10, saying. Yeah. Okay, my so this is um, this is also Canadian. Oh, okay. And it is a quintuple platinum album. So if a platinum oh. is a million, then it's sold a good few copies. And he's not Canadian. He's actually American. So I got that all totally wrong. Okay. And it's his birthday yesterday, Tom Waits. There we go. This, Sorry, yeah. this, this sounds is like very, a big selling album. It is a very big selling album. I haven't and got it on my list. I think the fourth album by the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, four. Um, but weirdly, for an album which is not their first album, it is self-titled. And it is Heart by... Oh, by Heart. Indeed. Um, so Anne and Nick Wilson. And it has... Five singles on it. Um, if Looks Could Kill, um, What About Love, These Dreams, Never, and Nothing At All. Big hits, big hits. Certainly, If Looks Could Kill and What About Love and These Dreams would all be um, on, well, I've got a Greatest Hits album. They're all definitely on it. I think Never is as well. Um, but, I mean, they are... They're really, really, really good musicians. And um, she's got a great voice. And the whole package um, is, I I mean, I guess they're FM friendly. Definitely. Are rock. Mm -hmm. 
said that, they're a bit more than that because they were chosen to do the cover of Stairway to Heaven when Led Zeppelin were inducted at the Kennedy Centre um, with Obama in the audience and all the rest of it. Mm, okay. Bonham's lad on drums. And they, if you've not heard it, their version of Stairway to Heaven, you can see it on YouTube with Zeppelin in the audience. It is absolutely brilliant. So well worth eight minutes of your life. Um, but I just think they just wrote some really good FM pop rock songs. Um, and they, and, and they've got a history of producing good singles. I mean, Barracuda is another great single. Um, Barracuda. Yeah. I just, I, I just like them. I, you know, they, mm. of the kind of the girl led bands, they would be up there amongst my, uh, amongst They're my two family. sisters. Yeah. 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 Anna and Nancy. Anna and Nancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Anna and Nancy Wilson. And they fell out, they fell out a few years ago. Um, but apparently they've made up and they're, I think they're touring next year. Um, so if that goes ahead, you know, with all the nonsense with COVID, then um, I might try and go and see them this time because uh, I've, I've got, you know, mates who've been to see them and said, you know, really good value for money life. But so, yeah, that, that was a really good album. So, um, yeah. Right, okay. Again, I didn't include Heart. It, it's one of those that was... It's difficult picking the ones that you'd you'd pick this week. Normally, I have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. But it, it, it's quite bizarre uh, the eighties and the mid eighties. So, I suppose I've already thought about that. The ones I definitely had for you were Brothers and Arms and Misplaced Childhood. So far, um, just had a note from Barbie about Tom Waits. He was because uh, he was a good actor as well. Played as uh, Nella in the dark comedy Wrist Cutters: A Love Story. Um, so there you go. Many. Strings to his bow, as it were. Is that the expression? Could well be. It could well be. All right. Okay, let's ask, go on. Ask to my, Cupid. Let's go on to my next one. Let's go on to my next one. Um, I get a nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, one of those. One of those. Um, August nineteen eighty-five. This was another one of these artists who started in the very late seventies, actually. Um, this was his eighth studio album, believe it, believe it or not. That doesn't sound right. That's what I've got written down here, though. But anyway, um, and I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. No, it's John Cougar Mellencamp. Ah, Mr. Cougar. Uh, Mr. John Cougar Mellencamp. Now, the album was, it's not really a hit over here in Blighty, but a number two in the U.S., and Australia, both of them, um, had a few singles. It had three top ten singles, which was Lonely Old Night, Small Town, love that one, and R-O-C-K in the USA, uh, which is the highest charted position. That got to number two. UK didn't really have a great deal. Uh, Small Town made number 53. R-O-C-K in the USA made number 67. Um, I don't know if you know this album much, do you? I know R.O.C.K. in the USA because it's on the Planet Rock playlist and it gets oh, played okay. relatively um, regularly. Well, before, I don't know the others. I mean, the theme, I think you like themes. The theme of this album is like the American, the fading of the American dream in the face of corporate greed. Uh, <laughs> it has a sort of bittersweet, reflective tone. 
A lot of people call Cougar Mellencamp the sort of uh, poor man's Bruce Springsteen in a way, which I think is a bit harsh. I think it's very harsh because he's written some very, very good stuff. He's written some very, very good stuff. In his own right. And I think this is probably my favourite album, and I definitely went out and bought this album. Um, Sorry, Jack and Diane. It's called Scarecrow. The album is Scarecrow. Now, Jack and Diane was him. That was on the the previous one, which was... uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then... Was that one? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember the last what one. What was the other? Because Jack and Diane was quite a big single over in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, he had Crumbling Down and... Um, yeah. On oh, Pink Houses was a great Walls song. Come Crumbling well. Down. Ain't Down America, yeah, for you and me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a great song. Saw him live in 90... No, Sarah was pregnant when we saw him at Birmingham. We're not at Birmingham to see him, actually. So, so was that pregnant, when he was John Cougar, when he was John Mellencamp? I think it was John, John Cougar, Cougar This Mellencamp. album was John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, right. he had, uh, it's probably his, maybe his first one was John Cougar Mellencamp. Maybe uh, her, the one before was also. Uh, authority Song's another one. Yeah. You, know? uh, you fight authority, it always wins in that one. Um, no, he's a good songwriter. Mellencamp himself said he, this was the album that he thinks he found his feet as a songwriter on. Um, oh, Ricky Lee Jones uh, appeared on the album uh, singing with him Good singer. between a laugh and a tear uh, Ry Cooder on Sly Guitar on Kind of Fellow I Am and as I said Small Town's probably my favourite I think it's a Heartland Rock is probably the description of the, the genre if you like of the band um, Small Town yeah again I've got lyric no I cannot forget where it is and I come from I cannot forget the people who love me. Yeah, I can be myself here in this small town and people let me be just what I want to be. Got nothing against the big town. Still hayseed enough to say, look who's in the big town. But my bed is in a small town. Oh, and that's good enough for me. Well, I was born in a small town and I can breathe in a small town. Going to die in this small town. And that's probably where they'll bury me. I'm probably going to have to buy I'm probably going to have to buy a John Cougar Mellencamp Greatest Hits album, aren't I? Yeah, there's a few of them around. Words, words <laughs> and music, I think, is a good Clearly, Clearly, that needs to be done. Yeah, but this I'll one's called Scarecrow anyway. Right, what, what have you got next? Um, okay, well, now I'm in no particular order. So I'll see if you can get this one, if you can yeah, guess. It. This is a band who, when they were recording this album and then released it, um, the uh, lead singer had been arrested for vehicular manslaughter. The uh, bassist was so strung out on heroin that he could barely string a sentence together. And the guitarist was possibly being fired or maybe not all during the recording. It sounds like the UK government actually and all those things <laughs> like a, the cabinet <laughs> um, with sir jeffrey how on drums <laughs> good old sir that's Jeff. on league vocals yeah um no anyway, tell me go on tell me i'll kick myself uh, on it the album is theater of pain and the band are motley crew motley crew okay yeah so probably, arguably, maybe in their own mind, mind, maybe in their own legend, probably the ultimate bad boys of rock. Oh, definitely. And my buddy Wyatt from uh, from Planet Rock mm. is 
favourite band of all time. So oh, really? if you get him on to talk about drummers, he will definitely be talking about Tommy Lee. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Vince Neil had, um, had hit someone whilst drunk driving a car, and he was sat in a police cell for some time. Um, he six was uh, strung out on heroin, and, uh, and and there was a big question mark over Mick Mars's future in the band. Um, interest. I mean, Nicky Six went on to um, create Six AM, um, and I've got one of uh, got a couple of his singles, and uh, they they turned into a really good band. But anyway, th- so this this album, despite all of the kind of carnage going on in the background, um, it did actually produce two big hit singles. Uh, one of them, Home Sweet Home, and the other one, Smoking in the Boys' Room, which is their take on the Brownsville Station. That's station song, yeah, great um, song. song. But I prefer the Motley Crue version than the than the Brownsville Station one. Oh, personally. really? Oh. It's one of those ones where... Controversial. Like well, yeah, fine. I like the Brownsville. I think it's a good song. I like it. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, if you kind of buy into the whole Motley Crue shtick... Then you know, then smoking in the boys' room really was the sort of song that they would have written if they'd been around to write it before Brownsville Station wrote it. Um, I think I follow. I think I follow that. Yeah, and I, I agree. They are bad boys of rock, definitely. They are definitely the bad boys of rock. Produced uh, some decent music, but they, they were pretty some decent music. Pretty but, pretty shitty people, really. I guess. Uh, yeah, they're out there, aren't they? Yeah, they they're, are. they're, yeah. You're not, you know. Uh, I wouldn't choose any of them as dinner party guests. Let's put it that way. Uh, in an, an illicit lockdown party, no, you wouldn't. Have, <laughs> you wouldn't invite them. Okay, well, if I you invite, have, I if you invited them for a shit night out, it would be a shit night out. <laughs> I'm sure it would. Be. <laughs> but uh, uh, meaning it isn't a, a shit night out. For those bit of a people. nod, bit of a nod to me, buddy Wyatt, but also because I do like both of those singles. Um, so yeah, Theatre of Pain by Motley Crue. Okay, I know DJ Style is a big fan of uh, Motley Crue as well, so sure he'll be pleased. Um, right, we've got uh, yeah, I'll have to whiz through these last one. Try not to have too long on them. Um, I've got one here from October '85, um, a ninth studio album. As you are, I'm sure, well aware, I'm a big status quo fan now there are any status quo albums this year but in my opinion i've always considered this band as sort of an american version of status quo um and it's zz top ah okay well this is easy because that's on my list too all right okay so that's good we can combine it um so we're talking after burner we're talking after burner um reasonably hit i mean it was top 10 in uh uh, Australia, UK, and the US. Fact number two in the UK. Um, like Eliminator, it was... It was the follow-up to Eliminator, wasn't it? It was the follow-up to Eliminator. Probably not as good as Eliminator. Elim- Eliminator no, was... But it sort definitely of not. followed the same pattern uh, with, you know, more synthesizers and drum machines, which generally I'm not so keen on anyway. But I think they just sort of produced the album of its time around then didn't they would eliminate an afterburner um but you know even with the synthesizers and the um uh the the drum machines you know you can in other words you can sort of polish it a bit but at at the end of the day it's still zz top uh that that little old blues band from texas 
knocking out blues rockers, yeah? Um, so the big single off this was Rough Boy, wasn't it? Well, in the UK, they had a, a four reasonably big hits, actually. But was that the biggest? Rough Boy was... Well, it, number in 23, the UK, in the, 23 in the UK, 22 in the US. You're right, it was 23. I'm trying to read my writing here. Sleeping Bag was 27. That was the first single. And then they had Stages, and then Rough Boy, and then Velcro Fly was also a hit. Uh, a two, so uh, yeah, uh, not it's no eliminator, but I've put after no. burner in, and we both have, in fact. So I'll put that across as both. You can then carry on with your next one. So you've okay, got okay. So my next one is Three the band that think they are prog, but I will go to my grave arguing that they are a rock band that happens to do some long songs. And I've had many arguments on this subject with fans uh, on Twitter long and hard uh, about this particular subject. So um, another Canadian band, and this is Power Windows by Rush. Oh, no, it's not on my list. Well, I didn't think it would be. No. Uh, now, I've got to say, I'm a, I am a Rush fan um, in that I there's not much of their stuff I don't like. I've got their big greatest hits thing, which has got all of the big hits on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then obviously... Listening to Planet Rock all day, they play loads of uh, Rush, not least of which is because Darren, who does the afternoon show, is the world's biggest Rush fan. Um, And I've had discussions with him about the fact that they're not prog as well. (laughs) So I think the the, the prog argument is that the the album, which is basically all numbers, 7-0, whatever it is, 5-1-2, whatever, um, is kind of vaguely proggy. Power Windows has got two um, two standout tracks on it. Um, big Money, which is uh, a song about, you know, how big money runs the world. Um, and that was a, I don't know where that got in the charts, but that was very definitely, a, um, a, you know, the hit on the album. But then for me, the best track is the track Marathon, uh, which is, you know... It's <laughs> like it should be with a name like that. Uh, no, not particularly, no. I mean, okay. the benchmark is it, it clearly isn't. Uh, it clearly isn't uh, the greatest show on earth, or Ashes uh, are burning, or uh, um, pictures at an exhibition. Uh, but it's um, yeah, no, it, but it's uh, it's a good um, it's a good rock song. They write great rock songs. Uh, I personally, as a singer, am not a fan of Geddy Lee's voice. He sounds like he's being strangled. Uh, but they are. Very, very good musicians. And Neil Peart certainly is up there amongst uh, the kings of the hill as far as drums are concerned. Um, not my fault. Yeah. In terms of uh, being But anyway, so yeah, it's uh, it, 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 in a bad year or a not brilliant year. It's Rush, uh, you put in there. Worthy, uh, it's worthy of a mention. And obviously, at, more Canadians. Just looking at Russia, they, they call them progressive rock and new wave. Yes. So it's pretty much what you said, right? Yeah, they, they are cool. Um, you know, there isn't enough synthesizer and keyboard noodling uh, and massively long guitar solos and bass solos for it to be prog. Prog, okay, all right. It's, it's rock. And I mean, some of their songs, I mean, you know, Tom Sawyer, stuff like that, brilliant, brilliant rock songs. I like, I really like them, but they ain't prog. Okay, all right. Um. I've got it written down, Power Windows, 
by Rush. Now, my next one is nothing like prog, as you can imagine. Um, okay. It's not one that you'll have on the list. It's not one that many people would have had on the list. It might not be many that people would have heard of. Um, it's more southern roots, rock, country, rock and roll. And it's a band. It was a debut album, actually. And it was a band by uh, called Jason and the Scorchers. You're absolutely right. I have you heard of them. <laughs> you haven't. Okay, it's called Lost and Found. Um, it was they had two EPs first, uh, and um, one included. Uh, oh, Fervor was one of the EPs, and that was sort of tacked on and released with Lost and Found. So on some Sorry, later, can I just be? Can I just be clear here? <laughs> are you being Essex, and you mean Fervor? I mean you- Fervor. No, further, I'm as in, with a V. Right, so you're talking properly. You're not talking about going further and further into the distance. Further and further into the distance. <laughs> right, uh, okay. Further and further back, hopefully, into the 70s. <laughs> would, would suit me. But yes, further, please no, bring it, it on. Well, I say, yeah, I'm, I'm spelling it wrongly again, of course, because it's F-E-R-V-O-R <laughs> with no U. I mean, what can you say? At least they got a U in found. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Billboard called it Ragged but Righteous. Um, all music magazine said the best record this fine band would ever make. The video for the single White Lies, which you might have heard, got quite a lot of MTV airplay in the 80s, actually. Um, but the sort of real rawness and rock and roll country sound is something that appeals to me. Um, yeah. what got me into them initially was they did an absolute of this style of music to um, another example of a Bob Dylan song that sounds maybe better done by somebody else. Um, they did an absolutely rocking version of Absolutely Sweet Marie, um, which really got me into them. And uh, yeah, henceforth the album. And uh, there it was. Okay. Cool. They were known for their yeah. um, live performances at the time, actually. It's another one you can mm-hmm. just look out for. Uh, and they did Blaze. Blaze a trail for the cowpunk and alt country movements that followed in their wake. Okay, right. You next. I shall I shall give it a look. Two more. Okay. Um well, this was at the end of the proceedings where I'd got kind of four or five, and I could have chosen any of them because I don't really know them very well. I know a couple of the tracks. So um my next one is Southern Accents by Tom, oh, Tom Petty. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, the standout track on that is Don't Come Around Here No More, which was a big hit single. Um, and that I didn't know this, but this was, it was written with Dave Stewart from Eurythmics. I didn't know that. No, which I didn't know that. I, 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 you wouldn't necessarily associate Dave Stewart's sound with, with um, Tom Petty. With Tom Petty, but then again, I thought about it harder and thought, well, you wouldn't really associate his sound with Joanne Shaw Taylor either, but he discovered her. So, um, so um, yeah, Fair not point. much really. I'm, I, I like Tom Petty. I, I think I told the story in the past about how he was supposed to be playing at the university when I was there, and then um, American Girl took off and he got hijacked and went somewhere else instead, and we ended up with <laughs> Um But um, he, um, but I've like I like him. I think he's a good songwriter. I like his I, I like that jangly guitar sound he has. He's almost got a bird's feel to it, I think. Um Tom Petty at his best. Um yeah. 
again, I, I get that. Yeah, like so many of these albums, it's not great. Um, but don't come around here no more is a standout track and was a big single. And um, yeah, it's uh, w- when you're making up a list of a year where you don't have a lot of stuff and you don't particularly like the year, you're kind of a scrap for Tom Petty. <laughs> well, which are the ones I'm going to include? Um, and so I thought Tom Petty was was worthy of uh, worthy of adding. Worthy of a mention? Why not? On the, on the strength of that one single, there were actually three songs uh, co-written with Dave Stewart on the album. Was it? Yeah, there we go. Uh, it ain't nothing to me, and make it better was another one by him. Okay, um, rushing through these, then I'm I'm torn with a lot. I've got a, another sort of six. I have to pick a couple of. Them. I'm just gonna pick this one. Um, another band I'm not humongously a fan of, um, but this was a good album. I think it's sixth album, and it was the Cure. Um, the head on the door. Yeah. Um, they had um a couple of singles on it. In between days came out as the first. That's what really attracted me to the Cure in the first place. Actually, I think. Um, top twenty in UK and Australia, barely made the American Hot One Hundred, uh, and also close to me was a reasonable hit. Top thirty hit here. Top ten in Australia. It was their first Billboard uh, album to make the uh, Hot 100 or the Billboard 200, wherever it is, the, the 100 of that anyway. Um, it had, it's basically a collection of pop songs, which has a variety of styles, probably allowing the group to reach a wider audience in, in both Europe and the US. Um, for example, on, uh, well, actually, Robert Smith, who uh, said he was inspired by two albums for this. One was um, Kaleidoscope by Susan the Banshees, which is a bit gothy. And I think yeah. The Cure are a bit gothy as well. And the other Absolutely. one was The Human League's Dare, which is a bit synth poppy and a good and album. a great album. Yeah. Um, so they are sort of a synth goth band. Oh, they were at this time. Yeah. That's the way yeah. I see them. So they, um, yeah, the varieties of styles. I mean, Kyoto's song had an oriental hook to it. The Blood flamenco style close to me critics said it was the sort of their disco thing uh and in between days was like a almost new order like um and i don't know who wrote this it might have been the rolling stone again but i don't know an example of smith's ability to use pop music as a means to express angst while applying just a hint of polish do you follow him on twitter Robert Smith? Yes. No, I don't. He's hilariously funny. I might have to follow him. There I might have to follow him. Classic, classic exchange a couple of weeks ago where a girl had posted a picture of him from the 80s with the hair mm. and said something like, I would love to go to bed each night looking at this man's picture. Mm. On. And he tweeted her, and said, um, uh, tell me where you are, I'll send you the poster. And she tweeted back and go, ooh, don't be disgusting, <laughs> you dirty old man. And he said, it's literally me. And it, was just, it was such an own. It was absolutely fantastic. The great... Uh, but I, I, the, the thing that made me laugh about um, 
Robert Smith was that clip of him. I think it's when he was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Have you seen that one? No. Where, where the um, you know excited girl is interviewing him, he's jumping up and down as Robert Smith and a couple of other band members come out. She's getting very excited, jumping up. Oh, Robert Smith, the cure! How excited! Are you really excited as as me as to get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And you can imagine she's just well, no, actually, I don't think I am. <laughs> Judging by you, I'm not. Or no, it was something along those lines. You have to watch it. It's a good trip. Oh, he's, very, he's very funny. He's worth following on Twitter. He's a laugh. Really right. Is. So that's me done for that. We've got one each, I think. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got three left on my list, so I'm just going to pick um, the first one. Um, so um, my last one is written in the aftermath of the breakup of the relationship that the particular gentleman in question was having. And uh, so the song um, picked up on, uh, sorry, the album picked up on that. And there's sort of some uh, oblique references in the uh, in the content. So the album is Behind the Sun by Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and written in the aftermath of the split up with Patty Boyd. Um, I guess the, the track everybody would know is Forever Man. That's mm-hmm. on most of the greatest hits albums. Um, and, you know, there's living hundreds of them. Um, Definitely. There is a very good version of Knock on Wood, which is the Amy, well, I don't know whether it is an Amy Stewart song. It's certainly the most famous version is Amy Stewart's version. Um, it may well be that it was written by somebody else. Um, and then there's this kind of, I think, six, seven, maybe eight minute bluesy thing called Same Old Blues, which was the one which... I think referenced Patty Boyd, um, but uh, again, it's not an album I've got. But it's um, but the tracks; those three tracks are the tracks that I know off it. And given the dearth of brilliant albums in 1985, I thought, right, well, let's shove that one in. Oh, Even Eric Clapton has proven to be a bit of a tosser of uh, oh, late. Of late. Oh, yeah, many, definitely. many, many others of yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So. Um, Behind the uh, behind the sun by Eric. Eric Clapton. Okay. Um, well, you've done well to find ten, and in fact, you had another couple as well. Um, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm toying between. Okay, I've chosen one. I could have had uh, the uh, Talking Heads album, Little Creatures, for example. Yeah. Um, that was out. Probably their most uh, commercial album, and maybe that's why I liked it more. Um, I don't know, with things like um, Road to Nowhere and, uh, and She Was. Um, also, well, no, what's, what's the one I'll go for? And I could have had uh, Smith's Meet His Murder. And that's another one that's turned out to be a bit of a knob of late, of course, Morrissey. Yeah, but there again, he was a knob when he was writing songs as well. well right? I can't stand the Smith. Fair dues. So <laughs> he insisted on the band not, I wouldn't have said this is a, a bad thing, I don't know. He insisted on the band members um, not being photographed eating meat during the build up to that release of that album. Um, but the one I'm gone for uh, is the second album released in June 85 by Prefab Sprout. Now, do you know much about them? Um, I vaguely remember the name and I thought it was really clever and they definitely had a hit single or two. Uh, yes, they did. Well, they did. I mean, it wasn't a huge, uh, huge, it was their second album. It was 48 in Australia, 21 in the UK. And again, barely making the 200 in America. Um, it had um, a few singles, When Love Breaks Down, uh, Farron Young, 
which was obviously um, referencing the country singer of the same name. Yeah. Uh, Appetite and Johnny Johnny. The, the album was released in the US as Two Wheels Good in anticipation because the album is called, so I didn't say what it was called. It's called Steve McQueen. Yeah. So in anticipation of a lawsuit with uh, his estate, they in, in America, they changed the name to Two Wheels Good. The album cover um, references McQueen's love of Triumph Motorcycles and the 1963 film The Great Escape. Um, produced by Thomas Dolby. Um, now, Paddy McAloon, the, the main man of um, uh, Prefab Sprout, gave Dolby about 40 to 50 songs, some of them about 10, 12 years old. He, and he picked Dolby, that is, picked his favourites and right. asked for demo recordings of them all. And that served as the basis of, of the, the album. album. It was quite a lush, jazzy tinge production on the album, probably because of Thomas Dolby. Um, songs touched on love, infidelity, regret, heartbreak. Um, lyrically, I read, is quoted as being literate and humorous without being condescending in the slightest. And this was critically acclaimed. And we don't get many of those, do we, these albums? No, not, not, no, we don't. Only, a lot of these albums, they become popular in years to come. Yeah, yeah, um, Right. Okay. So, what were your, so just out of interest, what yep. were your other albums that you were toying with? Uh, another one I was toying with was The Damned, another one that you might not like. Uh, another gothy sort of album, Phantasmagoria. Yeah. Um, that um, centered around Dave Vanian, the lead singer, his sort of deep voice. Probably one of the first goth bands, I'd say. He, yeah. he used to live with, the, live his, Look, he used to drive around in a hearse, I was told last week on the podcast. So did Neil Young. Did he? Neil Young's first album, first car was a hearse. Yeah, if you read his autobiography. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, my word. That's that's just, well, dead cool. It is dead Why? cool. Uh, the cover so, image on that album was Susie Bick, who was a future wife of Nick Cave. We won't go too long about these. What else did I have? I had... Um, uh, Smiths I mentioned. Oh, another pop one, which you might be surprised by, because I think it's a decent pop album, was Aha, Hunting High yeah. Low. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Pop songs, Take On Me, Sun Always Shines On TV. Now, that did nice. make a thousand and one albums to hear before you die, book. They are... No, they were nice lads. I had a drink with them in the bar of the Holiday Inn in Birmingham when they were playing at the NEC and they were all staying in the hotel and I was doing loads of work there at the time and they were in the bar with a bunch of groupies and um, we had a thoroughly entertaining evening. They were nice, nice blokes. So, Did uh, they say, you're Stinky Pete, aren't you? They didn't. On that occasion, they didn't. That's largely because... They, they must have been drinking too much. Yeah. Had they known, they would have done. Um, I had, my two others were Soul to Soul by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Oh, okay, yeah. Which Good had, um, yeah, when Change It was a big MTV anthem. That was that got played on MTV a lot. Not any way, shape or form his best album, but you can't really go wrong with a bit of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and the other one I had, which is a band that I, you know, again, I've got their greatest hits, but I'm not really a fan, 
and 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit by Bon Jovi. Oh, right, okay. But, uh, why Lonely? And the hardest part is The Night were the singles, which got to a stunning number 68 in the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly Vertigo and Nosebleed time. <laughs> yes, definitely, yeah. Well, but, I've, got, uh, yeah, I've, not, been, I've been given a few by some loyal <laughs> listeners here. Graham, who is sent it to me during the uh, broadcast just now, actually. Um, I'll read his first since I've got him up. Uh, Prefab Sprout, Steve McQueen. Uh-huh. Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. The Fall, This Nation's Saving Grace. Uh, the Water Boys, This is the Sea. These are all ones that sort of made my second reserve list. Um, even Kate Bush. I'm sure you, I'm surprised you didn't have Kate Bush, Pete. I know well, you love Kate Bush. I saw there was a Kate I know Bush you love her voice. And I thought... That's one to avoid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I must admit, of all the Kate Bush albums, that, that's always often reckoned, reckoned to be her best one. Um, but Well, that's coming from a very, very, very low playing field. Well, I must admit, I prefer some of the earlier stuff. Anyway, this is Midnight Runners with Don't Stand Me Down, New Order, Low Life, The Smiths Meet Is Murder, Tom Waits, Rain Dogs, R.E.M., Fables of the Reconstruction. I did consider that one. Jesus of Mary Chain, Psycho Candy. Talking Heads, Little Creatures, and The Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash. Um, Clive's given me Simple Minds, Once Upon a Time, Hounds of Love, Kate Bush, another another one for Kate. Um, I didn't know that that Simple Minds album was 85. Um, I think it is. I think, I'm, I think I checked all of these, because no, you gave okay. me a few that weren't 85, and I must have... No, 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 I'm just, yeah, I'm interested, because I, 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 like, I like Simple Minds, I saw yeah. them live. Brothers in Arms, uh, Dire Straits, of course. Uh, picture book simply red, and Whitney Houston's debut album. Oh boy, self-titled. She she had a voice though. To be fair, oh she had a fantastic voice. I was but, oh boy, simply red. Anyway, Barbie has given me Prince around the world in a day. Tom Waits again, Rain Dogs, uh, Radio LL Cool J, Southern accents, Tom Petty. Hounds of Love, Kate Bush. I think she's won. This is the best album of 85, obviously. It's just um, clearly this is people who don't know anything about singing. Good seven. That, oh, well, Tom Waits doesn't know how to sing, really, does he? But he can produce Waits, a good album. Even not having heard Tom Waits sing, he must be better than Kate Bush. Seven the Hard Way, Pat Benatar. Heart by Heart. Head on the Door by The Cure, which is the one I had. Meet is Murder yeah. by Smiths. Songs in the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. Now, Austin gave me a message just before we came on air, saying, sorry, 85 and, I, and me don't really communicate very well. Uh, <laughs> There's a surprise. He, he only had two albums down. One was The Power Station, 33 and a third, and the other was Killing Joke with Night Time. Oh, Killing Joke are a good band. Killing joke, yeah. yeah. Um, I had some others here, um, which I will try to find. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, Kate Bush, I think, came up again with, with some others. So, uh, what the hell's the matter with people? Well, everyone, you, you always like to say it's, it's great that. People like different things, Pete. It is. I just do just not. Just not Kate Bush? No. Love for Kate Bush. It absolutely, every time it floors me. 
There we go. Well, I can't find the others that I was listening, but all right, never mind. I'm not going to waste time on that. Um, but thank you to anybody that has given me um, their albums from 1985. It helped to fill out the albums. Uh, as you said at the start, 80s, not really my or probably Pete's era, but we managed to plod on through some good ones there. And we did um, match on quite a few there, didn't we? Uh, yeah, Boys we did. in Arms. Yeah, songs, songs in the, in the big, big chair, chair rum song in the lash yeah so and three. eliminator um not uh, eliminator, after burn um, after yeah burn. four out of ten that's not bad is it yeah that's not bad that's not that's bad at good, all yeah. all right um okay well thanks pete for that you can go back to bed now in Riyadh. it's my pleasure what is it now 20 to 20 to 3 20 to 3 in the morning yeah. good grief yeah. uh well thanks very much for coming on your star it's my pleasure. um our, this podcast will be posted to Raker, Anchor, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. It'll be on the Off The Record Facebook page. It'll also be on the CBW Productions Facebook page. And eventually, of course, the BBC. As the BBC. my erstwhile um, co-host, Slim Nick, would love to say. Um, so, um, yeah, in the meantime, it's... It's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Not off. Off. Enjoy Riyadh tonight. I shall enjoy Riyadh tonight. And you'll sleep. See you later. And I will sleep. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>